0: Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now, onto the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hard working people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Find us here,
1: moving iron.
0: Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number one hundred and ten. My guest today is Machinery Pete Greg Peterson. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be
1: back, Casey. Thanks for having me.
0: No, it's always my pleasure to have you on, man. Um, so we've had a fairly decent year. I mean, you start take a look across the uh, from. This what we would call a downturn from 2013 through uh, 2018. 2018 has been a uh, pretty reasonable year as far as the amount of inventory that has moved across the auction block and, and the numbers that we're seeing. So tell me what you've seen so far here in 2018, and, and where do you see the end of the year finishing up?
1: Yeah, well, 2018, Casey, I think uh, I blogged a little bit about it, but I, I think in my 29, this month is my 29th year I've been compiling all this auction price data and following the used market, I I think 2018 will probably wind up being one of the more interesting years I've seen, just because given the state of the ag economy and the continuing challenges we have, it's been interesting to see what's happened out there at the auction market, and basically, you know, holding to slight upticks. Um, I I parsed it a little bit based on the condition of equipment, but the good condition... Stuff, the buyer demand has been there all year. And even mid year, in the face of uh, some of the added challenges with uh, tariffs and all that stuff with China, uh, I did not see any real wobble with, with auction pricing. Uh, in fact, in certain sectors, strengthened a little bit. So, like I say, really interesting. I think there's still an element of pent up demand that's being released. Uh, we started to see that unleash November of seventeen on the auction market. So farmers maybe that it slowed down their trade cycles, understandably, with you know, everyone had to adjust, dealers, farmers. Um, but at some point, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do and uh, it's been interesting to see the auction market being real solid, better than we maybe expected. And then to also look at the AEM numbers and see year-over-year year increases in tractor and combine sales. Uh, so I like to try and tie different elements together more than just the auction pricing. So when well, we've been filming around the country with dealers for our TV show and for U.S. Farm Report, uh, I'd say about 90% of the dealers we interview had been saying 2018 was just a little better than they thought. Um particularly the first half of the year. And now, as we've come to the end of the year here, I, I always looked at sort of from the second Saturday of November on, this kind of go time. And so that meant last Saturday, November 10th, we started seeing more auctions. And early notes look pretty strong. So we'll see if the end of the year is strong like historically it has been. And uh, 2019, yeah, I mean, I don't see anything in particular that would make me think, uh-oh, we're going down. Or, you know, to me, if we look at the uh, price, auction pricing, hard cash, it's we've sort of held that soft bottom now since about right at, the, right at the start of 16, to me, it looks like. So it's been, yeah, really interesting year.
0: So here, here's a trend that I want to bounce off of, Greg. You're, you, Greg. You talked to dealers all over the place, and I said on here several times that, I mean, obviously, the, what's driving the market now is is the need to replace equipment because of age and and diminishing return. When you start looking at you know repair costs versus uh, just buying buying something either new or new to you, and um, so I'm looking out there right now, and I'm I'm, I'm starting to feel there's going to be an onslaught of 2012 through 2015 model machines hit the marketplace. Um, if this theory of mine holds and takes place what what do you think the overall reaction to the auction market would be if, if there were a, a big lump of those model years to come back into the marketplace
1: well I tell you that's really interesting Casey because uh, yesterday um, you know, I write for Farm Journal magazine and top producer and I got a note and they were like hey Pete we're working on our 2019 preview stories, and they, you know, uh, media, they, <clears throat> they like to try and give advice on all that crap, but they said, you know, tell farmers, one actionable point, thing they could uh, think about for 2019. So <clears throat> I don't really like to hammer too much about, oh, you should do this, you should do that, but just base it off of data. So my one point of advice was look for the value. Now, whatever you're buying, whether that's a house or a, you know, uh piece of used farm machinery, whatever, you like to feel like you can get, you know, a good, you know, a good deal. And so I've got 29 years now tracking all this auction price data. And if you boil it down through the good times and the bad, the ups and downs, one little truth, of kernel, shines through there. And it's sort of, Again, if we talk good condition used equipment, once you approach the 10 year old mark, it it always seems like farmers collectively judge a nice condition 8, 10, 12 year old right. I'm like, oh man, look at that thing. That's 10 years old. Boy, that's like new. I can't find one like that. And boy, what's a new one cost? So it's almost like the depreciation level just kind of flattens and holds. And I've always been drawn then into that 4 to 6 year old range because that's where we see. Kind of a, the most appreciation, and so now particularly like with combines, you talk 2012 to 14, and like you say, they're you know probably will be more showing up for sale. So my my point of advice to the farm audience was, hey, here's your chance. You know, look for a nice condition 12, 13, 14, because guess what? You know that thing's you know four, five, six years old now, but you get a low hour, nice one. Five years—that's ten years old. Now, the one little subtext there would be with the, you know, the Tier Four engines, and and as humans, you know, people like to complain or whatever. Ah, I don't like those new engines, whatever, you know. But 29 years—I've seen it's always happened, where once that level of equipment gets to be ten years old, then it's like, ooh, well, that's, everyone wants it. Mm-hmm. So my advice again was to keep your eyes open, talk to your local dealer. You know, see what's available. That five-year-old machine—that might be a few more available. You know, obviously, auctionally might see some more hit the market. So that was my advice: find the value. And as to how the market values will—what will happen if we see a glut come through? Um, one of the things that we saw in '18 was the buyer demand was on both ends of it, either end of it. So the one- to three-year-old stuff, when we saw it show up at auction, whether that was because it was still under warranty or because there wasn't as much new stuff sold back in 16 and 17, when it showed up at auction, even in tough areas like the drought in Missouri in the summer, I drove down to northwest Missouri to cover an auction August 18th. The reason I went down was because, like, man, it's tough down there and here's all this two year old stuff at auction, red and green. And it did a little better than I than I thought it would given what was happening. So that demand was pretty strong, the one to three year old stuff. And then again the eight, ten year old stuff, you know, your seventy series deer combines show me a nice one of those and ton of demand. But again that middle spot, four to six years old, was a little softer. And now if we get more of it in nineteen, I mean again i think there'll be some some good values so that was my message to
0: farmers like step up and help yourself yeah no that's that's a <clears throat> they're all good points and i think my uh my biggest concern wasn't more than anything is that where there's uh where there's value for uh the farm the farmer buying it there's always a a, uh, a pinch point somewhere uh, for the guy trading it in, right. so that'll be uh, balancing right. that dichotomy will be a will be a, I think a, a very interesting um, exercise headed through the end of the year going into 2019.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, uh, you know, there's you know, the opportunities there uh, for the buyer. You know, again, that's the the pinch point. Which on the dealer side, you know, when there are pinch points like that. I'm just strong and, you know, we're trying with our Machinerepeat.com business for, for sellers, you know, dealers here to, you know, situationally, again, it's a tough points, Let's try to think creatively about, okay, well, we got too many of these 12 machines here? What, what are we going to do, you know? So, you know, we, we try to communicate with dealers about, you know, it, it sounds weird and the soft edges, but little storytelling things we so oh, yeah. got that, a 2012, a couple of those just back in on trade. You know, let's tell the story of the farmer who traded him in. And, and will that make him magically worth a zillion dollars more? No. But could it entice a potential buyer who knows about your customer? Maybe. And does it cost anything more to do that? No. Do we have avenues to tell these new stories and play these soft edges? Yes. So those are things we're, you know, trying to communicate with dealers. So for your listeners, I mean, you know, if, if you guys have pinch points like that, uh, you know, just drop me a note, give me a call, and we'll, let's get creative. What can we do? What little video clip can we put out there to try to help you move one or two of them?
0: If you can get the guy that's trading it in to... Uh basically answer all the questions that the guy on the other end of the line would be asking you if he called you something he found on the internet, Right. that's going to go a long ways to selling that piece of equipment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I would, uh, and we've talked about it before, Casey, um, but here's the thing. I mean, I grew up, my dad was a third generation dealer, so I was always intrigued by, I'm a numbers guy at heart, but was intrigued by the relationship with your customer right, dealer, farmer, you guys are always there for them, uh, keep them running, Um, and there's tons that go into that, there's no off switch, right, you always got to be there for them, but in that relationship is a deep knowledge of your customer, now, across the Midwest, I mean, we're, we're Midwesterners, we aren't ones to hop on a pedestal and say, man, my farm is awesome, my dealership is awesome, that's not who we are, but you know your customers, so there's ways to honor them and, again, you mentioned getting them to answer the questions that people answer. I'm seeing developing edges where you can kind of, I don't really know how to say it, but kind of selectively, I don't want to say use, but, you know, bring forward the relation the deep relationship you have with your customer to shed light around how that combine or tractor was cared for by customer Bob. And... Again, you know a customer Bob. You maybe know how obsessive he was about, you know, not letting that, you know, tractor ever get rain on it or whatever. All you really need to do is just kind of say that, particularly in video. Either get hit the farmer to say it, or you, as a dealer, say, "Yeah, we've been working with Bob and his dad and his grandpa for 42 years, and I'll tell you what, those are little soft-edgy things, we've seen it for 29 years at auction." When you when you have a farm auction, and I'll drop in, I'm, I'll go to a sale in Nebraska or, or Illinois, and it always comes right to the front. The neighbors will say, oh, either way, they'll say, you know, Fred was a great, oh, man, he's a great farmer. You see it in his machinery, but you hear it if people talk about it. So, or conversely, if he didn't take care of his equipment... <laughs> Folks have no trouble saying this thing's a piece of crap, you know, <laughs> right. and it shows as a piece of crap. Yep. So there's ways you can, I think, is you know, as sellers, whether that's private dealer or auction, to to bring the history of care into the listing, kind of. That's what I'm really interested in exploring how better to do that.
0: No, you're right, man. I mean, it's it's the uh, we have this philosophical argument all the time here that, and I've had it my entire career of. You Know if a certain customer had something, does it how does that affect the price? And my, my opinion of it is you're not going to get more than the machine's worth. I mean, that, and that's a pretty vague term, you know, kind of yeah, no, no kid in the right case. But it also, it, what it does is it gives you uh, a chance to get the premium, I guess, out of the machine, if that makes sense. You know, if, if the customer, if you know the customer and the customer was. A solid operator, and everybody in the neighborhood knows that you're going to get top price for that machine. If he was an right. you know an average guy or whatever, you're going to get average price. And again, if it was the, I wouldn't touch that with a ten foot ten foot pole. Then you're not going to yep. get. It. You might as well just take it to the auction and call it good because that's about what it's worth. And yeah, I
1: totally agree, Casey. I, one of the things you look at your customers as they generation. You know, you've got maybe the dad, 55, and the young guys on the farm in their 20s. Well, if like on Twitter now, and that's just exploding. The young folks use farmers on Twitter, so quite often they're tweeting from the cab. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in, in those pictures they post when they're out in the field, um, there's, there's truth in that. And, uh, you know, there's got to be a way... To help people who aren't in your local area get a better feel for that customer, how he treated his equipment. I'm, I'm seeing farmers start to document on their own their farming operations. And I when I see the pictures and the video from the field, you know, they're nice, whatever, they're nice S670 rolling there in western Nebraska or southeast Minnesota where I am. And it's like that. That little video clip tells me something about that customer now, when it's time to sell that s six seventy for him to trade it in uh so I'm in the farmer's ear telling them you know keep that video, and when you trade it, you know give it to the dealer yeah because you know when you're make it not just another s six seventy make it bob's s six seventy and you everyone around the area knows Bob oh Bob's a great guy. Let's try to let people two states away get a sense of oh that Bob yeah you that's a nice machine if you can do that again it's not a magic bullet but if you can unlock just I mean farm equipment business is a business of percentages shades of percentages right yeah if you can unlock a half a percent over the course of eighteen months two three years do a better job at that than other dealers that's winning
0: yeah yeah you know half percent over. A couple hundred million bucks makes a big difference. I'd
1: rather have it in my pocket than not. <laughs>
0: that's, that's for sure. That is for sure. So the last couple years, Deer and Case both have come out with a uh, a new model of combine, and, um, and maybe a few. Yeah, I think Deer had the 8400R, I guess, and Case had the same thing. But looking over the. Uh, the auction market how do you how does how have those new model year or new models anyway of combine how's that affected the market do you think
1: well anytime there's a new model introduced there's a there's always a a period of adjustment right so you know um you know the new model you know well received in the market for new sales and what it can do and then it takes a little while for it to hit the open market and mass to see how then how's that one-year-old one doing um and, and more importantly, what does it do to the three, five, six-year-old previous model? Uh, so, again, my, my overall sense case has been that, you know, the one to three-year-old, much the one to two-year-old uh, combines at auction have seemed, just felt to me like they've done maybe a little better uh, in 18 than I thought they would, given everything going on and all the pressure. Um so, you know, with, with deer now, I, you know, we haven't seen any of the S7s hit the auction market yet, but, um, you know, I'm sure, sure we will start to see them, and that'll be really interesting to see. If, if if history is any guide over the, again, 29 years I've been doing this, it's looked to me like initially, again, it, what I talked about before, that 4- to 6-year-old, Kind of always being a soft spot, or I you know, call it an opportunity spot if you're a buyer. Um, that maybe gets a little accentuated when a new model series comes out because, again, it just ooh, now we're shifting to that new one, and then it just takes a few years and then the perception shifts again. But the, to me, it is always like a hard truth in this hard cash user machinery market, so. Used and new are always tied together, you know, in a couple of ways. One is volume, how much used volume is out there. And, of course, that affects conditions for new sales and pricing a power that you retain as a seller or a manufacturer. Uh, but then also the, the price point. So now with uh, the tariffs, uh, steel aluminum or whatever, and the, and the pressure that creates on the manufacturer for all the products they make, Now, again, even in a tough climate, the price of new going up, I don't know because I don't track it. You probably know off the top of your head, Casey, but, you know, price of the new combine, how much is that up? Um, Whatever that number is, what I've seen for years is that it just automatically pulls up on the value of the used stuff. Again, once you get down into that 8 to 10-year-old range, you physically stand there at the auction watching a piece. And almost every auctioneer says the same thing. The bidding goes on and kind of sticks. And then they'll go, Well, yes, you know, you go down the street, well, what's a new one cost? And they're just being real. And because the cost is going up, so you kind of look around the auction crowd and the head's kind of, well, Yeah, well, that's right. And you get three more bids on it. Works every time. So again, used and, and newer connected, but. Again, when the new model series comes out, it, it seems to me like it usually there's a little ding there with with the previous model as the
0: market adjusts. The new and used correlation is definitely there. There's no doubt about that. That is definitely something that that we uh, we look for. You know, price increases and in that we, that we see uh, are do help increase the price of used equipment, but uh, it's not always the amount of the price increase that that the uh, volume does go up um i think more than anything right now i look at used values and when it look like a year over a year basis um what a one-year-old or two-year-old machine was selling for as a as a percentage of um new uh dealer price right. to me it seems like it's been about the same Yeah, you know, that same percentage is there yeah. so that tells me that that the uh The volume that we're seeing on used equipment as far as as dollars go um, within a five-year range is staying about the same year over year as a percentage of new right Um, but to your point when it gets past five years there is a i don't know diminishing returns is the right right word to use here or not but there is a that that line does start to slide pretty fast that's why i track that so much that's one of my one of my indicators is just tracking by what age and hours range are compared to uh new and um dealer price and and that gives me a, a pretty good barometer to kind of where, where which way the direction is going if it's if that number slips up or down um it kind of gives me an idea of where we're headed and i mean the 12 years i've been doing that well 10 years that i've been doing that um it's never been wrong i guess
1: and uh, concur, that's why back in the year 2000, Casey, uh, when the internet was, was young, when our, we first got our MachineryP.com website up. And, I mean, I, I didn't have any money, but I was just building the business. I actually hired a, a second uh, data entry em, employee, and um, she was working in my hometown of Benson, Minnesota, and I just said, hey, take every paper and just type in all the dealer advertised prices on everything. And we didn't have it out on the website because the, the internet was so young and it just, I didn't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest, but I wanted that data to compare to the auction pricing to get a percentage um, of the average auction price on, say, a five-year-old tractor or combine model to the average dealer ad price. And now on our website, you know, machinerepeat.com, now we have the back-end tools for dealers, our dealer center, where you can actually you don't have to calculate; it. it's just there every day, and it also tracks volume on a you know a 14 model S680 or whatever. So you're right; that that is the thing to watch. And when you see changes in the percentage, that tells you uh, we're tightening or uh-oh, we're going the other way. I remember in early 2008 when things were taking off, commodity prices shot through the roof, and I watched that gap between the it was like the auction pricing was 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 shooting up so high. The gap between the advertised price and the hard cash—it got really tight. It was like ten, over ten percent jump, ten percent tighter, within like six months. And so that that market was about availability. Like, ooh, I can't get a new one. Ooh, yeah.
0: when
1: a nice used one showed up, everybody had to have it. So the price went
0: up. It didn't matter how many hours you it. it?
1: Right, exactly. But then the flip happened in 14. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, the auction, the hard cash went down 22%. Yep. And the, the dealer ad prices stayed there and slowly dropped. But yep. you're right, that, that's a key component to, to watch. And we hope, with, um, you know, in our dealer center, we can arm dealers to. They really they should have been doing what you've been doing for 10 years and been
0: all over that. Your dealer center that you guys have going in there and be able to track that stuff and, and really be able to narrow that down to me makes it, it makes my job a lot easier. so if you guys aren't doing that check it out and it, it's it's well worse It's well worth your time to go in there and explore that.
1: One interesting little subtrend we've I just ran some numbers on it because uh, I'm really interested in the, one, the, the level of one to three year old stuff showing up at auction. Okay, yeah. And yeah, I ran some numbers back 10 years on that. And uh, it was really fascinating what, what we found. Actually, 2018, it was, we saw a 38% drop in the one to three-year-old stuff. And I, I didn't suspect it was going to be that big, but that sort of made sense because the, the one to three-year-old stuff we're seeing at auction was, again, selling a little bit better than I thought it would. So it showed that 16 and 17... The huge spikes in the amount of one- to three-year-old stuff showing up at auction. I'll be watching that end of the year into 19 to see if, you know, if it, does it go up more or does it stay at this level. Um, but when you compare back to a decade ago, it's, it's like 450% increase in the amount of one- to three-year-old stuff.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is, so when you're looking at the market, market right now, you're saying that there's... The, the increase in basically 16, 17 model stuff is up. 15, 16, 17, or are you talking? Is that is that what the range you're talking about?
1: Yeah. I, what I did, Casey, I, I just looked. I went into our auction price data and I isolated the number, raw number of one to three year old equipment items, any kind of equipment, a batwing mower, a tractor, a combine planner, sold at auction. For the first nine months, January through September, each of the last ten years, and it was fascinating. Uh, it seemed to me for a couple of years we've had a ton of one to two year old stuff at auction, and you know, so many farmer, older farmers retiring, and bought a lot of new equipment. So there was some of that, uh, obviously, dealers the last four years at auction pushing stuff out excess. So what we found surprisingly was that in the first nine months of eighteen we saw a 38.5% drop in the number of one to three old items at auction versus 2017. And even bigger drop versus 16. 2016 was the highest in terms of number of one to three old items sold at auction the first nine months of the year. So 44% drop versus this year. And that, when I saw that stat, it, Yet it made sense with what we're seeing at auction on this nice the one- and two-year-old stuff selling better than expected. And so you get farmers there saying, ooh, this thing's under warranty, and there's you know 40% less of it than there was two years ago. It created more competition. Prices went up a little bit. But when you look back a decade, it's just hilarious. Well, you know, whatever the word is, but... The amount of one to three year old stuff at auction 10 years ago versus now, 450% less. So in two, 2008, of course, that was right when things were taken off. So at that point, you'd had about, I think, 12 years going back to the price of corn spike in the 96. You'd had kind of a decade plus of farmers kind of sitting tight. So that decade, and then all of a sudden, boom, so they hit the switch late 2007, corn and beans go up. And it was immediate. Auction prices skyrocketed. New sales took off. Um, And all this pent-up demand. So now, the the correlation I'm finding a little bit interesting now is that, okay, now we're at almost six years of, you know, tougher ag times, more profit pressure. And I've written about this in my quarterly index report. And it feels funny writing about it in a tough time, but it's starting to make me think, you know, whenever it is that the price of corn and beans go up, and for whatever reason, I mean, maybe that's two weeks from now, all of a sudden, President Trump says, hey, guess what? We've we solved the China problem. Okay, whoosh, takes off. Or whatever the case might be. When that happens, I Our data has told over three decades what will happen. Things will take off. And even in a crappy environment like this year, to see auction prices holding as the availability has decreased a little bit on that one to three year old stuff, I think is pretty telling. So, again, one of the things I message to the farm audience is yeah, you know, things are tough. I get it. But, you know, again, call your dealer. I mean, you know, you could, it was a great time to be an aggressive buyer on whatever. Because maybe in two, three years, whenever that light switch goes off, you got no you know, power as a, as a buyer then. I mean, that because the manufacturers will take off, auction prices will skyrocket. And you have to consider the changes they made to the tax law last year, the President Trump's tax plan, further incentivizing investment and we know what's happened when times are good when farmers have money buying buying new equipment and used for write offs that's been beefed up, so again, to me, that's why I messaged the farm audience. be aggressive now
0: yep no i the correlation between retail price and auction value has has come more into check than we've seen in the last well last seven or eight years anyway. Um, when I look at what's going on there, I mean, there's, man, there's, there's so many times where over the course of this, this thing, where there would be a uh, 80 to hundred thousand dollars spread between what the auction value was and what the, uh, retail value was. And if I'm, you know, if I'm a buyer, why I can take a lot of risk for a hundred thousand bucks, you know what I mean? So I'll go, I'll go roll the dice over here at the auction to see what happens um what you're seeing now i mean my personal opinion is that, that correlation now is um is winding up in that that probably 25 percent or less range between the uh, above auction value and, you're, and just, that's where you're seeing things sell um and, and what they're bringing as far as retail value goes uh you know through our books and everything else and we go out and track that that's what we're seeing so um
1: that's exactly what our data shows. Is it? Casey. Okay. Twenty five percent, the auction, hard cash auction average to the dealer advertising average, yep. and going back to the year two thousand, eighteen years ago, that's the historical number. Seventy five percent auction sells for seventy five percent of the average dealer. So,
0: it's amazing what how much the auction has has changed the the landscape and the environment that we live now. Living it now, and I think a lot of it has to do more than anything is that the, the the birth of the online auction. How and how not that that's anything new. It's been around for ten years. You know, Purple Wave and Big Iron and those the folks like that that kind of started that whole thing. Um, they they really kind of brought something to the forefront to where now that that online part of it is has, has made it pretty easy to go watch five or six different machines from the comfort of your home.
1: It, uh, the, the flow of information is, I think, come back with me 15, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, I, I had to get, you know, we were covering auctions all over the country. We had, we had to call on everyone. We had to call. Was, hey, Bob, how'd, how'd, just sell? how'd that sell? The 40 pieces. Walk through it. By the end of the day, my ear felt like I was going you know, to fall off from uh, jamming on the landline all day. But, uh, yeah, you know, you're able to... It works both ways. I mean, for dealers, you obviously you have to stay on top of that, but, you know, absolutely know that your customer is doing the exact same thing, you know, and looking at the auction pricing and looking at the dealer ad pricing and they're aware. Um, so I, I think it's, it's good for the market as a whole. Uh, hopefully it can help, uh, you know, maybe some of the same uh, mistakes that were made in the past. Um, I guess one really interesting question, and I'm not a dealer, I grew up in a dealer family, but I'm really interested in. So, again, whenever whenever things do improve, uh, profitability-wise for farmers, I'm really interested to see, I hear what dealers say about, oh, we won't go down that road again, you know, whatever. I understand it's a very complicated situation. There's You have to meet targets and volume and everything. But will we go down the same road of, you know, pushing, pushing new, uh, maybe putting too much in on trade and we, we I just want to ask dealers what they think of that, what will happen And the response we get is, well, we think we're going to be more disciplined. And we think with the pain involved of getting out from under the issue in 14, 15, 16, and also the dealer dealer groups contracting as they have, that I think would be handled a little different so yeah just really interesting stuff to, to track on a year to
0: year basis yeah I think my, my opinion on that is, is as the number of farmers continue to contract um, and, and farm entities be, get bigger and bigger and bigger um, used equipment is going to become a struggle and it, you know it's not like this isn't like the construction business or something like that where you know John Smith can go open up, you know, Smith Construction over here and start breaking out sidewalks and pouring yep. concrete and everything else. You know, there's there's a, 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 a finite amount of farm equipment or farm ground that, that can be farmed, and they're not making any new ground, right? Unless you live in Hawaii, I guess. They're making all, right. all kinds of new ground there. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's always going to be, it's going to get tougher and and to be disciplined and and understand what that looks like what um, will take will definitely take some some definite uh, what's what I'm looking for here uh, discipline and to really truly really do what they're doing and but also too, the client base the farm the farm client that we're working with is dramatically changing from what you know we're at that generation I always call it we're at a, a generational Paradigm shift right now, and and no different than any other time in history. But I think the biggest difference now between the two generations that we're, that we're moving into is that the, the from grandpa to dad, there wasn't the technology gap or growth or whatever you want to call it that between that generation that there is now. And as the fast you know as things rapidly become more technologically advanced, whether it's out of track or whether it's you know we have we demoed a, a self-driving grain cart system from smart ag right. a week ago and you know as the right. tractor's driving itself from the combine to the grain trailer you know and it was, it was a pretty impressive thing and and it's still very much in its infancy and, and it and it, it, it has a place on on the farm right now and people are interested in it but that's only going to get more and more advanced you know the next i can't imagine where it's going to be at in the next 24 months um, so, right. you know, it's stuff like that, that I feel like are going to change the way we do business with the farmer and the way we do business with, um, just the way we look at used equipment and new equipment for that matter.
1: One thing I'd, I'd be interested to hear your take on Casey. So again, I'm not a dealer. Um, we, our customer, we talk to them all the time, and, uh, but so when things change back there late 13, 14, 15, and, you know, farmers had been, whether they were by roll every year, or whatever, uh, the whole thing slowed down, right? I, what I was interested in is that, again, being a son of a dealer, is the farmer-dealer relationship, and it, it seemed to me, looking from the outside, <clears throat> like there was a new level of kind of openness in terms of the dealers sort of opening the books and saying, hey, farm customer Bob, here's why we can't put as much as we were putting into trade on their stuff. And the farmer, you know, understanding like, well, okay, I, I understand the situation you're in we're in it's just, I got it to me. I, I wonder if long-term that going through that hard process, isn't a big win for the industry in general or for more particular for dealers that, that did that to a high level of degree. Um, you know, the trust factor with your customer plus, you, you've now hopefully set conditions maybe to not go back to the previous era of you know getting caught with too much in stuff um, just curious your take on that if, or is that not that much of a thing would you
0: say? No I, mean, I think you, you being able to explain what you're doing always is mean, always going to help I mean if I can show you know, the customer wanting to trade something in, what, what the last five units sold through our inventory looks like and what the you know, the last five similar auction results look like and what the last five similar retail numbers look like. It's pretty easy to paint that picture of this is what your machine's worth and this is why we have to do what we're gonna do. Um you No know, but you know Do you have a sense that that level of communication
1: did that increase when things were tough on the last three, four years or 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 not
0: so much? Oh yeah, you had to yeah you had to come up with those that 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 formula to show guy. I mean, just the hard data. Because I mean you're telling a guy that his machine he bought for just throwing numbers out there for two hundred thousand bucks is now worth a hundred and twenty five thousand and used it for two years. You know what I mean? That's uh you know, all of a sudden he put three hundred hours on it and all of a sudden the year before that you were trading for fifty bucks, you know, fifty thousand dollars or something like that for that same number of hours. You see, so there's uh-huh. a, there was a huge jump in, in what the trade value went through and it went from I mean the reaction was holy crap yeah I know times are tough but golly man you can't be taking advantage of me like this and you just had to show that paint that picture and I, I don't think it was it wasn't until you know 16 or 17 that a lot of those telling that story finally finally started to pay off and that was because you know you had, everyone had seen the track of the way things were, were heading and that's kind of where you saw that, you know, with the onslaught of the 14 and 15 auction markets and how that reflected in 2016 with retail values. You saw a sharp decline in retail values. I mean, that was pretty much a given.
1: Right, right. Yeah, again, I just think it's as as we look back, I think that will be a powerful thing to sort of let your customers under the hood a little bit more and explain and and, uh, deeper understanding. And it's about... You know, at the core, it's about trust. And if, you know, that was always the, the way I looked at the business, you know, watching my dad and, you know, that trust level you had with your customers, that was everything. And with particularly these days when there's, you know, they can look all over the place, you know, but, you know, give them reasons to not look elsewhere because, you you know, you know that, that's powerful stuff and it, it doesn't cover everything. I mean, uh, certain customers will always want to look for the lowest number, whatever, that's fine. But um, And then, it, the, over the last few years, is the machines have got so much more technical. That's the other part. I, I marvel at how dealers are doing a good job about, uh, you, know, you know, not just considering themselves sellers of iron, but truly being the, the partner of your customer to help them squeeze out that little more Efficiency on their farm and make all the difference for them. So, it just gets down to the, the farmer needs you, and you need the farmer to be successful. So it's a fascinating business, fascinating
0: relationship. Yeah, we're, we're only, we only we're only successful if the farmer is successful or the rancher is successful. I mean, we we only make money when they make money. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yep. it's a pretty yep. pretty simple formula. <laughs> yep exactly. <laughs> All right, Greg. Wait, well, hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, – I saw saw some uh, an email the other day come through, and, and it was uh, looks like you, Machinery Pete, and Big Iron are teaming up for a neither-only online auction. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited, Casey, uh, for this event. Um, and, yeah, probably your listener saw the notes come through. I think we had an email come out Monday or Tuesday. And I I've, I've worked with the folks at Big Iron. Uh, You know, going back to when I started, 1989, of course, they they weren't big iron at the time, but stock auction realty there. Uh, Columbus, Nebraska, Mark and Ron, I've known them for years, the brothers. Um, I just, you know, I worked at 1,100 auction companies and so many great people and I value those relationships. And and Mark and Ron have always been extremely helpful. I remember back (laughs) in the facts, back before email was really... a like a thing we were all using, they would fax me like 40 pages of their auctions of prices. And they're just, they're just good guys yeah. and they're straight shooters. And they saw, I remember, I think it was January of 2010. I, had, I, had, I was doing YouTube and it was my fourth month of doing YouTube. It started in August of 9. And I went down to cover one of their farm auctions in Kansas. And I, I went down there and they had, they had just started Big Iron. And so after the auction, I interviewed Ron Stock. And I was like, Ron, tell me about Big Iron. What you think? And I found the thinking behind it really interesting because here you have an auction company. I think those guys got started in the early 80s. You know, the 80s was obviously brutal, but if you're an auctioneer, it was a lot of business, whatever. They built a great business. And then they basically started investing tons of money to rip it all up. And they were, you know, we're investing in doing this completely different. And if you look at that, whatever the business is to to put your ego out of it and say, what, you know, where's this industry going? Where should we invest our money? It's so hard to do something different. And they just leaned in and said, yeah, let's go for it. So it's been fun to watch them build big iron over the years um, to the level they have. And of course they're, the big thing is, you know, Absolute, um, which has really helped them grow farmer perception, and now they're almost nationwide. So our, our event with them, yeah, I think, I don't have the, the, the sheet in front of me with all the particulars, but I think it ends December 27th, and it opens, I believe, December 6th. Um, so basically, any of your dealer listings, if you want to uh, get them onto this Machine Repeat Big Iron event, um, what we'll do on our side is, you know, promote the and part out of it uh, through our TV show, Agur talk Radio, uh, Farm Journal Magazine, Top Producer Magazine, all the machine repeats, social media. And we're excited to sort of promote the event, but then also dive down a little deeper with some of your listings and, and shine more specific lights across our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube so, you know, whatever, say 21st century, you guys got a couple pieces. Well, let's learn more about those and just kind of put them out there. And Big Iron delivers a very solid results and we negotiated with them to get a little lower fee for you sellers. So yeah, we're just excited about it. And again, looking, trying new things to help you guys, our dealer customers, you know, uh, move inventory and get, uh, you know, best return possible.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it, Greg, and um, this is going to be a fun experiment to watch a dealer-only auction and see what that looks like. So I'm, I'm excited to see how uh, how the results come out and what your response to the uh, overall uh, uh, market is.
1: Yeah, it'll be you know again we we want to try things. Um, and we really appreciate all the support of uh, the dealers around the country for uh, helping us grow and. Uh, It's really fun. Like on the TV show every week, 200,000 farm households, we get to to gently and appropriately push our farm audience to the website and to the listings. Um, And we're getting really good feedback from the farm audience. Um, A lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes is really fascinating. So our office in Chicago, uh, the tech people we've hired, uh, I just marvel at them. They're, They're really good people. But what they do, the goal is to get listings to just pop on Google. So SEO, search engine optimization. So on Joe Farmer, it's kind of crazy when we do research with farmers, how they use the Internet. So many still do most all their searching through Google. And they frankly don't even really realize that's what they're doing, but that's where they go to type in, You know, whatever. I'm looking for a John Deere HX, you know, 15, that way more. And then, you know, what pops up and in what order. And that's the whole thing. Because you got to be at the top and not in, like, a paid position, if possible. Because that, you know, is perceived differently. So our folks have smashed away on that for three and a half Four years, and it's it's fun to see that bear fruit to get more eyeballs on your listings as a dealer. Help
0: you guys uh, sell more. Art. No, I, your uh, your web page and the whole site and everything there with, with the listings and, and what you can find there and the information that you can gather uh, from a dealer's perspective. I, I really uh, I really like what you guys have done and 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 made more information not only available to me but available to the public. So. I really uh, commend you guys for what you've done over the last five or six years now. Well, thanks, Casey. I appreciate all your support over the years,
1: and fun to watch you grow your your brand. Moving there. you're doing a heck of a job there. The more good information that's out there, I think it, it helps the industry. It helps. It helps everybody. And you're, you're 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 scratching the itch that I've been trying to scratch now for 29 years, and that's this. The farm audience, you know, the farm equipment audience, that you just there hasn't been enough good content, and you know it's we see that with our TV show. I remember before we started our TV show, people thought I was nuts. Like, what? What? You're going to do a TV show on that idea? And but I knew, and now we we've seen the numbers from RFD TV, and it's you know our machine repeat show, our little effort there is the third most watched show on the network. So it's, it's again, farmers want, they just, they love machinery they need it. It's a huge asset. It's one of their biggest, you know, uh, assets on the farm. But, you know, in a way I've, I've always felt like what we're trying to do is honor farmers and honor dealers and honor auction firms. And I think when you come at it that way, and, hey, Casey, tell me your story, 21st century. Or, you know, stock auction, hey, tell me little Big iron. Or Farmer Bob, hey, Farmer Bob, what are you doing in eastern Colorado? That That's an inviting thing to pull people into, well, hey, I'm learning about eastern Colorado. So it's really fun, and we just thank the, you know, dealers and farmers for, you know, coming along. I love the video you guys were putting out on Twitter on the, the self uh, traffic green cards. Uh Hats off to uh, 21st there, you guys are... I, I really think dealers, I think they're sl- slowly starting to get the possibilities of social media. You guys are a little ahead of the curve there, not quite a bit actually, but um, just keep rocking it. It's, uh, it's good stuff. You build your brand. You build your name. You get that out there. You build uh, connections. It's just good business.
0: Now we have a, we have a very uh, talented social media director, I guess and Regina Nargis, who uh, was who very in tune to that, so um, my hat's off to her. Yes, and she's done. Tell,
1: Regina, tell Regina she gets my vote for a heck of a job, so keep, keep it up, Regina. You <laughs> I'll go.
0: do that. Alright, Greg, well, we've been uh, been going here for a while, so any final thoughts before we shut it down?
1: I'm uh, Just excited to watch the end of the year KC. November December is always a go time, so it'll be day-by-day thing. We'll try to keep folks on top of what's coming in what stuff's bringing and the old trends as they break so just
0: uh excited for what's ahead right on well i'm sure we'll cross paths here at the end of the year with a few auctions i'm gonna try to hit and i'm sure you'll be there so i will uh see you down the road buddy look forward to it brother all right you take care of yourself greg all right take it easy casey thanks well that's going to do it for this edition of the moving iron podcast i'd like to thank greg machinery pete peterson for being my guest on this episode Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer, also Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. You will be able to hear Dry Line Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, The Topsoil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, and Throwback Iron. Please visit the movingironllc.com website. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Moving iron in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving iron time and
1: time again Through the years you'll find a scene Moving higher